I'd invite you to stand together as we consider God's Word this morning. We will be sharing together from Proverbs, the first chapter, verses 8 and 9, and that passage is before you, and we've also provided an outline for you this morning, and I hope that you will utilize that as we explore God's Word together. Would you read with me? Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't neglect your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful wreath on your head, and beads for your neck. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. (laughs) I was fortunate enough to have a mother who loved me unconditionally and who always went out of her way to let me know that she was very proud of me. I was doubly blessed in the fact that I had a mother-in-law who loved me unconditionally and went out of her way to always let me know how proud she was of me. I'm so grateful that our three sons have a mother who loves them unconditionally and goes out of her way to let them know how proud she is of each of them. Maybe many of you can share that experience. I've come to discover, however, that not everybody has such a positive experience with their moms. Maybe you uh, were someone who had a mom who loved you, but for whatever reason lacked the capacity to effectively convey that or communicate that or demonstrate that in a matter that uh, was helpful to you. I never will forget several years ago, a woman came up to me after worship service on Mother's Day, and she said, I hate Mother's Day. And then she proceeded to take the next 10 minutes to tell me of a mother who was uh, harsh and cruel and insensitive and uncaring, and a mother that just lacked the capacity to convey to her children any kind of love whatsoever. And so ever since that day, I've always been more sensitive than I used to be about this day, uh, realizing that Not all of us, perhaps, had a positive experience. And so uh, this morning, if that is you, I I pray that uh, you'll somehow at least be able to understand that uh, you had or you have a mother, and uh, she deserves your love and your your prayers, and uh, pray that um, God will mend your heart and hers, whether she's with you or not, uh, to be able to see one another in a light and in a way that causes both of you uh, to feel and experience love. I'm also conscious on Mother's Day that there are mothers, uh, there are women who uh, are not mothers, either by choice or by circumstance of life. Um, And I would say to you this morning, uh, acknowledge that you have or had a mother and Give thanks to her, to God for her uh, this day. I read uh, recently about a man who, who had a less than positive relationship with his mother. His mother just lacked the capacity to, to convey love in a positive way, and, uh, but he decided to put, he found a way to put a positive spin on it. And he wrote an essay entitled, What My Mother Taught Me. And he lists a few things. She taught me to appreciate a job well done. 
If you're going to kill each other, just do it outside. I've already finished cleaning the house. She taught me religion. You better pray that spot comes out of this carpet. She taught me time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. She taught me logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the grocery store with me. She taught me irony. Keep crying. I'll give you something to cry about. She taught me how to accept a challenge. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? You've got to think about that one for a minute. She taught me the meaning of stamina. You'll sit there until every bit of that spinach is eaten off of that plate. She taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. She taught me behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. She taught me anticipation. You just wait until we get home. She taught me justice. One day, you're going to have kids of your own. I hope they're just like you. Well, even less than perfect mom has, uh, can make an impact in our lives. This morning, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to the moms who are here and remind you, even though you don't need reminding, but it, it does something for the rest of us to be able to acknowledge you, uh, to, to remind you of just how important and significant you are and how God has equipped you to accomplish some things in your child's life, in your family's life, that nobody else is equipped to do as well as you. And to talk to the rest of us, sons and daughters and husbands, to remind us of of how valuable and precious these women are and what we need to be doing as a way of confirming them, affirming them, loving them, and providing them the support that they need and deserve. So what I want to do this morning is talk about what I've come to know as three phases of motherhood. If you think about it, during the time and the course of your life as a mother, there are identifiable stages, and at each stage, there are unique contributions into the life of your children that are different, and that I'm convinced nobody can do quite like you as a mother. The first stage is the mommy stage. At this stage, you are mommy. Mommies have infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. Uh, It's easy to spot mommies. They drive minivans with car seats. They usually have a big uh, number on the inside of their windshield. They are in great physical shape from carrying two times their body weight in diaper bags and strollers. They are never without a supply of crackers, juicy juice, uh, pacifiers, and handy wipes. They are easy to spot. We've got a lot of mommies in this church. I'm absolutely convinced that at this stage, you are God's primary agent of nurture and care. Nurture and care. Psychologists tell us that among those critical times in a person's life, 
when they develop a sense of self-awareness, when they learn a sense of security, when they learn a sense of well-being, is in ages 3, 4, and 5 as a result of their relationship with, who, who do you think? Their mother. A father's touch is important, but it doesn't come close to being as significant as the mother's nurture and care. You see, when God creates these little bundles of joy and brings them into the world, uh, these, these little creatures, these little babies, these little children, they are completely dependent upon the nurture and care and love of somebody else. Anybody can do that, but nobody can do that quite like a mother. We see that in practically every area of life. A couple of months ago, I was watching television, local TV news in Atlanta, and apparently a bear cub had somehow wandered in from the the forest, the woods, and was on the back porch of a condo in Sandy Springs. And the reporter telling the story made this comment. It's obvious that the bear cub has gotten away, is lost from its mother. It never occurred to her to say the little cub is separated from his daddy. We know the difference. Moms have a capacity to offer nurture and care more than anybody. Several years ago, I got a letter from a couple that was moving into the community uh, where I was pastoring. And this couple was a very professional. Both were professional people. They were very wealthy. Uh, they were very much in high-demand careers. Uh, they loved to travel. They had a very luxurious, expensive lifestyle. And now they're having a baby. And so I guess they looked to the closest church to the house that they had bought, and they wrote me a letter. I'd never met the people, but they wrote a letter and said, um, uh, we are looking at the various options, and we believe that the best choice for our child is to have a salaried, permanent live-in nanny. And could you recommend somebody perhaps maybe in your church? Well, I don't understand that sometimes circumstances require such, but I, I resisted the temptation to write them back and say, listen, the absolute best option, that may be the best option for you. But I assure you that that is not the best option for your little baby. The best option, if you want to know about it, is a permanent live-in loving mommy. I didn't write the letter, but I felt like it. I don't know what they ended up doing. We need to realize that mothers have a capacity, it's a God-given capacity, to offer nurture and care to little ones like nobody else can. So, you start out, you're mommy. You're mommy for about 10 or 12 years. And then your kids become teenagers. You're no longer mommy, you're at the second phase, which is you're now mom. Your mom. At this point, you are God's primary agent of comfort and encouragement. Comfort and encouragement in that child's life. You see, when children are struggling, when they're up against the world, when they have difficulties, when they are frightened by circumstances, when they are worried, when they seek comfort for what's going on around them, They instinctively go first to mom. 
when they experience disappointment, when they're down on themselves, when they need encouragement, when they need a boost of their spirits, they're going to find that, they understand, in mom. A, a study was recently done of teenagers, and they were asked this question. Who do you confide in if you have a problem? 23% said dad. 77% said mom. Now, is that a coincidence? I don't believe so at all. It's confirmation of what we're saying. That God is the primary agent. God accomplishes through moms more than anybody else the capacity to offer comfort and encouragement in time of need to their children. Several years ago, our oldest son, who at the time was still a teenager, uh, I had just helped him purchase uh, his first vehicle. He got a, a Jeep. And it was not a new Jeep. It was a used Jeep, uh, but it was new for him. And he was so proud of that thing. Uh, he had the shiny wheels on it, and, and it was just a fascinating uh, opportunity for him to have this vehicle. He had had it for one week. He pulls into a gas station to fill his tank up. He fills up the tank. He goes inside. He is taking out his wallet, literally, to hand the, the, the cashier the money to pay for the gas. This is one of those times he didn't just put in five bucks. He filled that tank up. So he's paying the guy. As he's paying the cashier, he looks out towards his Jeep. And about that time, he's looking out. A white van drives up next to the Jeep. The guy jumps out, jumps in his Jeep. The white van, the Jeep, boom, gone. He watched his own pride and joy vehicle stolen right in front of his eyes. Now, he's needing some comfort and some encouragement. He calls 911 to report the the, the theft. The police come. He tells them what happens. Now, this is where, this is the worst day of his life. Here the police come. And they said, son, sit down. So he sits down. He tells them what happened. And after listening to the story, they reach in the back pocket, pull out a set of handcuffs, put them on him, and haul him down to Gwinnett County Jail. You see, apparently, this is his side of the story. He'd gotten a, a speeding ticket like a year earlier. Had forgotten all about it. Didn't pay it. So he actually had a warrant out for his arrest. So they haul him off to jail. Now imagine being a teenager, your truck, your, your Jeep has just been stolen. You call the police, they lock you up. He's needing some comfort and some encouragement. He's got to call somebody. Who do you think he calls? Do I call mom or do I call dad? He calls mom. Good choice. <laughs> and so mom offers... Comfort, son, it's going to be okay. She offers encouragement. You know, it's going to be all right. This, these things happen. And then mom calls me. You know what she said? You need to get on over here. Don't you get on to him. He feels bad enough as it is. He doesn't need to be reprimanded right now. When we're looking for comfort, when we're looking for encouragement, 
Mom has the capacity to offer that better than anybody else. Listen, if you're a mom, you got teenagers, I don't have to tell you, probably on a daily basis, with all the stuff those kids are going through, they need somebody they can go to and know that they're going to be comforted and encouraged. You're the first person they're probably going to go to for that. Well, that's phase two. You're a mom when you have teenagers. But after a while, your children, they grow up. They become adults themselves. That ushers you into the next phase in which you are now mother. You are mother. And it is the highest most honorable position in all of God's created order when you become mother. At this stage, you are God's primary agent of character and conscience. Character and conscience. You see, when your children transition from adolescence into adulthood, when it comes to them deciding the values and the ethical decisions they have to make in ways that they probably would never admit to you, your influence, your views are forming them well beyond the time that they're living under your roof. You see, regardless of how old we are, when it comes to moral, ethical decisions that we have to make, when it comes to actions that we engage in, when it comes to ideals that guide us, a mother's insights and a mother's views and a mother's opinions come into play as long as we live. I find myself, I'm 61 years of age, I find myself, uh, when I've got some choices before me or when I'm contemplating something, uh, invariably, Sometimes I'm conscious of it, sometimes I'm not. My heart will call back to a mother's influence. And it'll be a determining factor in what I do. Several years ago, the police chief of Knoxville, Tennessee, was a man named Phil Keith. Prominent leader in the community, police chief. One day, he was sitting in a city council meeting. And uh, this was before cell phones, so uh, his pager goes off, and he looks down and he sees that it's his mother's phone number. Apparently, she's watching the meeting from the public TV broadcast. So he excuses himself from the front table, goes over to the press table, borrows a phone, calls up his mom, said, Mom, Mrs. Fields, everything okay? She said, Phil Keith? Yes, ma'am. She said, are you chewing gum? (laughs) What? Are you chewing gum? Yes, ma'am. Well, spit it out. It looks horrible. That's no way for the police chief to be doing. We never outgrow our mom's influence. 
Several years ago, I was teaching a class at Lambeth University near outside of uh, Memphis, and I was driving back to the Memphis airport late at night, and I had the radio going on in the car. And it was a country station. Never heard this song since. I'd never heard it before. Maybe some of you country music fans will recognize it. Um, the, the, the basis of the song was, it's a song that a, that a young man is singing about his mother, and uh, he, he made a promise to his mother that he would never drink and he would never gamble. And as the song plays out, he's with a bunch of his guy friends, and what are they doing? They're playing poker, they're gambling, and they're drinking. And it starts to bother him. And so, as the song unfolds, it reveals that the game is about over. He lacks one card from having a winning hand. He reaches into the stack, pulls out a, a card, looks at it, and it's a face card. Now, I know this is, this is really hokey and corny, okay? But it's, I didn't write the song. I'm just telling you about it. He, he looks at that face card, and he says, when I looked at that card, I saw my mother's face. And the promise he'd made to his mama, his mother, came back. I'll never, I'll never drink. I'll never gamble. He was doing both. So as the song goes on, it ends with him um, being convicted by his promise he'd made to his mama. So he, he, he folds his cards. He pushes back from the table. He walks out, and the song ends with this line. I can't forget the promise I made to her. Mother, my queen of hearts. Isn't that, isn't that corny? That is so corny. But it's just one more example. No matter how old we are, mother, your influence into the character and the conscience of your sons and daughters never goes away. To the mothers that are here, if you have adult sons and daughters, they may not acknowledge it, but truth be told, even now, they get, when they've got moral choices to make, ethical decisions, your influence, your approval weighs heavily on what they ultimately do. Nobody wants to violate the sacred worth of a mother's influence. Nurture, care, comfort, encouragement, character, conscience, those are hugely important virtues that every person needs to have access to. You are God's primary agent. You are equipped with some God-given innate capacity to extend those in ways that none of the rest of us, no matter how hard we tried, cannot do it as effectively as you can. That's how important your role is. Given the magnitude of that role, I would offer this to you. Don't dare try 
to live up to those expectations alone. In order to fulfill those effectively, you need the power and the strength that comes through a daily, deep, abiding relationship with God. You need, you need the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart, giving you strength, giving you wisdom, giving you discernment every single day. And so I pray this morning that uh, whatever else you do on Mother's Day, that, that mommies, moms, and mothers, that, that you will, if, if you don't already do so, make a commitment to, to make your relationship with God the primary relationship you have. Because that relationship is the source of the very things you need to be, what you need to be for the people who live in your circle of influence. You need Him every hour. 